Welcome to the Harwood Hustle powered by PGC Basketball. We believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before. This week, TJ and Sam discuss style of play and the advantages and disadvantages of varying styles, as well as reasons for adjusting, changing, or doubling down on the style you chose for your team. Let's get started. Welcome to the Hardwood Hustle. Sam and I are going to talk style of play today, and it really kind of spurned from some recent games that we've had and some breaks down Sam's done on film. And, you know, Sam, you and I have coached for a long time, and we've seen so many different styles of play. And, you know, I think sometimes coaches want the, the answer, this is how I should play. But really, it's not that easy, and coaches got to make decisions. And I don't know that there is one right way to play the game of basketball. We've seen people win championships playing all different kinds of basketball. But it really kind of got spurned from we went on a recent road trip, and we were in South Dakota, and then you know for four or five days, two days later, we're in Puerto Rico, and you know, teams in Puerto Rico played a different style of play. When we were out in South Dakota, we played the number one team in the country, Northwest Missouri. We were fortunate to uh, get a win. We came back down from 13 points, but it was a different style of play and really good style of play. One of the best coach teams I've ever I've ever seen. Um, early in the season, we played a team that plays the same style that has. A lot of teams lately in D2 have been playing, which I know you did a film breakdown on Nova Southeastern, who won the championship last year, who actually played West Liberty, who played the same style of basketball they play. And it's really a couple of coaches have got new jobs and they're having a lot of success playing that style of basketball around the country. And so, yeah, we're going to dive into just style of play and um, all of the different ways that you can play, how should you play, what decisions factor into that. We've talked a lot of it a little bit before, but just kind of came back front of mind and really intriguing and maybe kind of altered some of my opinions after watching a few of these teams play. So I want to get your opening thoughts on style of play. Yeah, DJ, it's a, it's a great uh, <clears throat> discussion. I actually just got off one of our PGC coaching roundtables we do with our community, and um, we were talking about that. And the thing I think about initially, I won't, I won't be long-winded on this, is, and you and I have talked about this on previous shows, does your offensive style fit your defensive style? And then beyond that, does your – like I, I just was doing a defensive call, so this is fresh in my mind. Like we do for, uh, full court pressure. One thing we did, TJ, this year going into this winter teams I'm coaching is we we started trapping all ball screens – because it fits well into our full court style of trap, rotation, scramble, high effort. Um, so that's what I think about. Does does my offensive system fit my defensive system? And, well, yeah, let me stop there. That's the way I think about it first. You know, one of the things that's interesting about that, too, I was actually on a call with some coaches this morning, too, and um, another college coach I was talking to and talking about his own ball screen coverage. And he was talking about how last year they had such success in this particular ball screen coverage they ran. And he's like, this year we're doing the same thing and we're not having success with it. We have to change ball screen coverages. And it's it's interesting. Like, is it personnel that changed? Is it people figuring it out that changed? Is it the effort level that changed? Is it the people in the ball screen that changed? There's so many things that factor into that. I mean, I mean, even the level. I mean, what's the person coming off the ball screen? What's their reading capability? What's the role person's capability? How do people act off the ball? Sometimes at younger ages, I know that like I, I agree, I'd probably trap a ton of ball screens simply because the other players, if they're not involved, if they just sit in the corners, it limits 
the amount of, you know, uh, ways you can make a ball screen defense pay. And so all of that age stage matters, like what type of uh, players they have. Uh, there's so many things that factor into it. And I, when I was watching Northwest Missouri, uh, you know, first of all, we, we were down 13 and there's a point in the game. I felt like they might just grind on us and grind us out because they don't make enough mistakes to come back and to beat them. I mean, really, that's kind of how I felt just watching them on film for a long time. And, and, and we were down 13. I was like, this is a make or break point. Like we've got maybe one run in us. But if we can't get that run and it's going to have to be a good run because they do such a good job of not giving up runs. But they just really grind you out every possession. I mean, I've never seen a team do this before where it's like if it's not a layup or a three, they're pretty much not taking it. I've never seen the team get to four to five feet from the rim so many times and just pass it up. They were just, I mean, just, and then on the defensive end, they didn't make mistakes. I mean, so is offense and defense matched? I mean, they were going to go get a good shot and they were going to try and make you take a bad shot by not making a mistake. I mean, it was, it was a grinding, grueling type of team to play. Like I would not want to play them 10 times in a season, you know, and, and the flip side of that, we played another team that it's run, gun, press. Um, it, it's uh, it, the Nova Southeastern, the Liberty, which I know you did some film breakdown and I want to get your opinion on that, where it's just like total chaos for 40 minutes and they just, you know, count on you breaking down at some point and just not being able to handle the pressure. And it, it is also a grueling style of play. You know, we actually won the game. We played the team. We won by like 20 or 25, but I felt like we were just in a battle. Like I felt like the whole game was a mental grind. Two opposite styles of play, but both of them were just a grinding mentality of play. Well, there are two, two things. Is one, like for we have a lot of coaches that listen, and I think you have to think about what what's your style of coaching. And that, I think that does matter. And, and then you have, like, let me back that statement up for a minute. It's not about the coach. It's not about, like, imposing your style. But I think you have to think about that. Like, where, where are you most – what are you most passionate about? And then does the style that you're coaching fit that? Now, if you're coaching in college, you can go recruit it uh, typically to fit your style. You're coaching high school – you get what walks through the doors and you might have to, like I played for a high school coach, TJ, that won nine state championships. He won some of those championships playing a full court pressure. He, he won a couple playing a half court matchup zone. He fit the style to the personnel. So you have to think about that. Now, the second thing on the style of play is when, when you run, when I watch Nova Southeastern, on film and even West Liberty to extent, they run that style every day. They get the other team to play their style. Who's better at it? They are. They do it every day. So then it's, can you make the other team play your style? And if you can, you win, especially if you have really good players. But if you get into a battle of style versus style, like whose style is going to win out? We talk about football. You know, if you're going to get into a shootout and running that, like if you're an air raid offensive football team, your defense is going to be be stressed a little bit because you score quickly. Is your defense okay with that? Are they built for that? Can you get into shootouts? You know, like those are. It's like can you get the other team to play your style basically? 
Yeah. And, you know, in playing a team, you know, where one of the coaches came from West Liberty playing the same style that, you know, and, and for those of you that don't know the coach at Nova Southeastern was at West Liberty. So West Liberty, Nova Southeastern, they've kind of put out a lot of coaches running this particular style and Nova Southeastern West Liberty played in the championship. And, um, you know, I, there was a lot of things that were actually really intriguing to me about like it's a wholesale change. And I think this is kind of helping coaches walk through this. I've actually been really intrigued to maybe try and play that style of basketball. And for a couple of reasons, one is just like this transfer portal and players going all different directions. And I know it affects high schools too. It's like, you're just getting different players all the time. We've kind of built our, our program on developing players over time. I'm unsure how that's going to affect, affect us. Like, will people be staying so that by the time they're in their third or fourth year, they will have been developed or are kids going to transfer so much that it really puts a wrench in what we're doing. And when I looked at, you know, the team that we played and in, in, in that Nova Southeastern style, the one thing that I liked about it and the one thing I didn't like about it. So the one thing I didn't like about it, man, it would be tough for me to give up some of the shots they do because they're going to give up layups sometimes. You know what I mean? Like they're going to give up some easy shots and I just struggle to like give those up knowing we were gambling. So I know I'd have to fight my own tendencies on that. The flip side of that was, man, I think they eliminated a whole bunch of stuff you've got to teach because they, I mean, I know there's a lot of teaching that goes into it, but I mean, really, it is an effort-based, can you continuously go, can the next guy up get ready and bring it, and can you, and I was like, man, would it be easier to, retain, to to recruit 10, 12 players on complete effort and energy and, you know, all that kind of stuff, or to develop skilled players over time, and so I think that's a question that I would ask myself as well, and um, it, there's you have to ask yourself, what style of play would you be comfortable playing? You know, what kind of players do I have? I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. And a lot of times in a summer air conditioned room, it's easy to make that decision. But when the rubber hits the road and they actually start playing that, it's tough to live with what your choice is. I think that's a good point, DJ, because and they, there, there's just so much as coaches, most coaches want control. Most coaches want control. And that's what I, you know, we take it back to myself for a second. So when I was studying Nova Southeastern, we, we run a full court style and I knew if we were going to adopt a few more of their principles. So add it, I took a few of their things and add it to what we do. And I said, am I comfortable? This is before we actually go on court. So in the air conditioned summer room, when you're watching film, especially what, what is basketball? It's a copycat game, right? We watch one team win a national championship. like, when Syracuse won it all in 2003, I think, with uh, Carmelo. What did everybody do in 2004? Everybody ran a matchup zone. Well, it works well when you got three, six, eight guys on the back line stretching that matchup. So my point is, it always sounds better on paper. And, and I did that very thing you said is like, am I comfortable – with some of the changes we're going to make. And, and I was like, and I'm okay. Like, because it's got to fit into the bigger picture of your why. I think you bring up another good point on college coaching. If you're only going to have a kid for one year, you got to think about the system you run. If you're running some motion based system where you're setting screen aways and learning how to curl it or flare and fade, like, I don't care what you say, that takes time. The value of that is in, year three and four. And I would argue the transfer portal potentially, potentially, I actually think if you rewind the clock before transfer portal, mid-majors were 
in a good spot in Division One because a lot of the high majors were going after these NBA talent. And when when you're um, what would be a good example, Gonzaga may not be, but like if you're Creighton and you got a 23 year old that's red shirted and then you got four of those on the court, four red shirt seniors that have been in your system four or five years that are playing 18 year olds, the 23 year olds beating the 18 unless the 18 is like a one of one talent. Right. So you have to think about your system as it pertains to per- current culture. Yeah, I mean, even at the high school level, you know, you got a kid for four years. Well, you know, if, if the first two years they're on JV or they're not, you know, if you are you developing them in that motion offense or whatever that system you're going to play? So there's a limited amount of time to to have all of those kids. Some move out, some move in. You know, injuries happen. I mean, even injuries play a significant role in it. Like if you're going to play a certain style of play and you have an injury or two, can you still play that certain style of play? Or does it affect your team in a, in a major way? Because um, sometimes you build an offense around your talent, and if one of those people goes down, it changes everything. I mean, let's just say that you got three really good shooters on the perimeter, you know, and then all of a sudden one of them goes down, you replace them with somebody that can't, but you're playing a certain style where you space the floor. Like, it does change everything. You know, one one piece removed changes everything. I remember Chick-fil-A, when we were listening to one of their leaders talk about it, they said, whenever you remove a piece and add a new piece, start back at zero because everything changes. And that's that's true in style of play. The one thing that was intriguing to me about that you know, Nova style of play is that I, it seemed more like a plug-and-play. You know what I mean? They might be a less of a player, but you know, whether you're a shooter, non-shooter, whatever, they were generating so much of their offense off their pace and offensive rebounding and whatever. It, it, it didn't seem like you had to be the highest skilled player, even though they had skilled players, um, to be able to go out there and generate buckets that way versus if you're going to grind it out in the half court, you got to have some level of execution and skill and whatever to create an advantage against a set defense. Yeah. I mean, it, it helps, you know, speaking of the Nova Southeastern, one more point is like when they won it last year, their leading score, their leading score, you know, where he transferred from what he transferred from West Liberty. So like he had been playing in that system and it was a more of a seamless transition. I'm sure for him that, that you don't always get that the case you know, and I, there's more nuance to that system. Just so listen, it's not like we're saying, you know, they, they, they just go up and down. One of the best, I remember Mike Neighbors told us um, in Arkansas, he's like, I love it when people come up to me and say, man, you just let your girls play. And he's like, they think they, they just watch and they think we're just playing, but there's a lot of teaching and structure to our system but it appears that we're just playing. Actually, I think that's one of the greatest compliments you can give a coach who really teaches the game well. It's like, man, your guys, just they just know how to play. And I'm sure when you watch Northwest Missouri, they're just playing basketball. Like five old dudes at the YMCA who have some basketball knowledge and they're just making good decisions, sharing the ball, getting the right shot setting the right screen. I mean, that's I think we all want that as a coach is like to teach good basketball, basketball that's fun for our kids to play in. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of coaching that goes into both those styles with Nova and, and, and Northwest, and they both you know do a phenomenal job. You know, the interesting thing to me is that we all like kind of want to pick a style of basketball. 
But I would say the majority of teams are like you and me, where um, we didn't just recruit 10 shooters or 10 smart players that know how to read action or 10 great athletes or whatever it might be. We, we actually have a hodgepodge of players. One really good athlete that would be good in this system versus two players that would be great at running, you know, reading screen action and develop, you know, and one player that we, it's, it's interesting. That's where it gets difficult is that, I mean, even though we can recruit players, we really don't have the luxury of just recruiting 10 great athletes or 10 great shooters. You know, you're, you're recruiting guys that have weaknesses and at high school, same thing. Like you have players that would be great in one style and not another style. And I think that's where it's really hard to decide on how you want to play. And sometimes I envy people that just have their system and they just go with their system and that's just who they're going to be. And they're so locked in, they find their identity early. The flip side of that is sometimes that that's their identity and they're going to lose to certain styles of teams or certain styles of teams are going to give them. So they're not adaptable to win tournament time based on their style of play. And finding both is difficult. Like one you can live with day in and day out that gives you a tournament chance as well. That's a difficult thing to figure out. Well, I think I think style of play, it, I've always thought this for many years when I'm just being a fan and then later obviously now coaching, I would watch the NBA, TJ, and I'd see a player on one team get traded to another team two different styles and all of a sudden this player what you like unlocked their potential and now they're thriving in a different style of play and maybe you and I've talked about this if Nikola Jokic didn't get handed the keys to Denver like like Malone did with him and he was playing for another coach who made him post up all the time think he wouldn't be Nikola Jokic it takes a coach to say I got a special talent. Let me actually build my offense around him. Let me think outside the box. And then you have this this guy who's like, now they're saying is like one of one and, and an all-timer. I think when Mike D'Antoni, not I think, I thought about this. When Mike D'Antoni took the job originally with Houston, he took his Phoenix style of coaching and offense to Houston. I remember this for whatever reason. I remember listening to an interview and he said, we think James Harden can uh, lead the league and assist in our system. Like we don't, we don't think it'd be an issue for him to average, you know, 12 assists and score 30. This is before he had ever coached James Harden in one game. He knew his system. He knew what he saw with Steve Nash. And he's like, yeah, James Harden's a good passer. He's skilled. Like he's a better scorer. And it came to life. Like what if James Harden, what if he never played for Mike D'Antoni? Does he become the video game number guy that he was? Probably not. So style of play is is so interesting to me for reasons like that. You know, and the flip of that is true too. I mean, how many guys have gone into a certain system and landed a big contract to go be the guy somewhere else and they weren't? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, you know, D'Antoni's one of those guys that whole whole way that they played there was guys that left there and got some great contracts and then just washed out because whatever, he put them in the right spot and they were averaging 18, 20 points on 55% shooting. Da, 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 and it's like, that's contract numbers. And then they go to a different style and that's not, and that's where finding the right style for your players is really, really important. And then when you talk about D'Antoni and his system, was it good and was it right? Right. Like because you could debate that, too. Like, I think everybody loved watching them play the style of play. But also people would say come playoff time, it wasn't a winner. 
right? And so that that's one of those things where I don't know in the regular season they were really good. Now let's say that he played some other style. Maybe they weren't any good in the regular season or the playoffs. It's it's really hard to say, but it's 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 a difficult decision to make and and it it there's a lot of ripple to it like in in league in in uh, in the playoffs in the you know over the course of an 80 game season or a 30 game season. There's a lot of things that factor into the right style of play. Well, not a, well. Let me let's go back to that statement for a minute. So I don't the style of play. Um, Kobe, Kobe Bryant said he never in like some private interview that got leaked, I think, or maybe talked publicly openly about. It, it was like he always said James Harden and and Rockets were built for the regular season. They were going to struggle when you get into playoffs and teams start game planning more around you. Like it was going to be hard. And so it wasn't like teams thought like rock, they never won in the postseason. Yeah. Now we can go back. They had Golden State on the ropes when they had Chris Paul who got injured, but they were going to win that series and maybe go on it. And then that might change the trajectory of Dan Tony's legacy or James Harden's legacy, you know, but let me, let's tie it back to what we're saying here. As a coach, you got to pick a style of play that you feel – well, you don't have to. I I do. I want to pick a style of play that I think will win a championship in the postseason because I don't have interest in just like racking up a bunch of wins and then fizzling out in the postseason. That's why the Nova Southeastern style, TJ, caught my attention was the coach had a – he has the highest winning percentage, I think, across any division in NCAA, Crutchfield – um, but he had never, I don't think he had made it to a final four yet. And so some people m- might've said, oh, well, that style of play won't win a championship. Well, it did. It did. So it breaks that, that line of thinking, just like with Golden State before 2015, what did everybody say? You can't win a championship shooting a bunch of threes. You got to get the ball inside. What happened? They won the championship. What everybody start doing two years later, it usually takes a ripple time. TJ, people shoot threes at a crazy – before then, like 25 threes a game was a lot. There's nobody now – like 90% of the league is shooting 40-plus threes. Like 10 years later, it changed that quickly because of Steph and Clay and Golden State winning four championships. And there's another example of how fast things can change too. I mean, we just watch – Golden State go through some struggles and they're struggling again this year, you know, and it, it's like that style of play going back to what you talked about with Syracuse, people can so quickly fall in love with the style of play that it you know is on the edge of not being very good or being great. You know, like that's Golden State. Like they, same style of play. They were the unbeatables. They're the funnest style to watch and play. You go And now it's like, Hey man, now they're getting beat one thirty to one, you know one one twenty eight or one. They're losing. They can't get stops, and so then you think, well, and, and it's easy to play armchair quarterback. Everyone's saying, well, if they d up, they'd be good. They'd be, a, but their style of play and the people with the skilled players that they put on the floor are not always the best defenders. And you can't just be both. We'd all love to have unbelievable offensive players that read screens, shoot threes, pass or whatever, and they sit down and defend and lock people up. They don't have that. And so you, sometimes you're picking and choosing, and you got to decide how do we want to win. And I think they've gone, you know, mainly in on a hey, we're going to win on skill and our, our offense, and 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 they did have the defensive pieces in the past, but as soon as those aren't there, they're scoring a lot of points still, but not enough. 
And where I would land land it, um, where I would land this is this. The reality is you got to be good on both ends of the floor. Your style of play has to do something really simple. Basketball, I think you would agree with what I'm about to say. It really comes down to this. What type of shots are you creating and taking, your shot quality? And then on the flip side, what kind of shots are you giving up? And if you consistently get good shots for your for the right players in the right spots and you consistently make the other team take tougher shots, you're consistently going to win. Now, every team has its own ceiling. I don't know your manual team this year, if y'all – is your ceiling a national championship if everything goes right? Is it a Final Four? Is it, you know, everybody has their own – for a high school coach listening, they hit their head on the ceiling and maybe it's a, a 10 and 18 year for them. So you can be – you can play championship-level basketball or championship-level style, and you do have to have good enough players to go, you know, win a championship. You know, one of the things that's really interesting, we never talked about the flip side of that, but, you know, if you were to ask us about our team, it's really interesting. Sometimes I think about other styles of play just because it becomes a grind playing a lot of close games. Like our team is good enough to beat a lot of people, but we're also not good enough that we could lose to a lot of people. You know, it's a fine line. And I think that's kind of like when you look at Virginia and their style of play and their first 16 to lose, then come back and win it again. It's like, look, they were good enough to beat Dukes and Carolinas and whatever, but they were also had a thin enough margin to lose to, a, you know, a 16 seed. And in a couple of times they've been in trouble by 16 or 15 seeds. And, and that's a, and then I watch some of the teams we play, you know, we've got a game coming up this week where, look, I think we could beat this team. I think they're really good. But when I watch them play against another team, which is a common opponent, if we play really well against that common opponent, we're going to beat them 16, 18 points. The team we're playing is going to beat them 45 because of the style they play. And and so sometimes I look at that and I think, gosh, man, it would be nice to have some of those games where it's like, you know, I didn't have to to worry every every possession or whatever. But then you also have to ask yourself, can your players play that style? Are you capable of of being able to do that? And there's a lot that goes into choosing the right style of play. And it can be a really daunting task to pick that style of play. Two more questions for you, Sam. Let me ask you this one real quick. What happens if your style of play isn't really working out for you and you spent your whole preseason, maybe your summer with your team kind of working on the style and you realize, you know, six, eight games in, this isn't going to give us a chance. What do you do? Good question. I, there's two ways to look at it. One is you, I think you start with this question. Are we, is it the wrong style or are we just not executing uh, at the level we need to? Maybe we're not. Yeah. Well, let's say that, let's say that you you feel like that style is not going to be good enough. Like, let's just say that you were you. Let's say you went in and you were going to press people because you were built on the style, or whatever. And you realize, my gosh, we can't keep keep people in a trap. Like, we, our, our feet are too slow. Yeah. We're chasing from behind and we're late. Okay. Well, la- this happened to me last year. Actually, <laughs> we came out pressing, and I realized, holy crap. We they're they're trying like crazy, but I got four dudes and I play you know at the four and the five spot. They could not move their feet. I hope they're not listening to this. I love them, but they were not very fast. And I said, "This ain't working." And so we pulled back and picked up at half court. And then I said, "Oh, we need to pull back to the arc." 
we started guarding people at the arc because so we we had to pull it back. And obviously, as a coach, you know, I've got to I, I don't go into and say you guys are slow and unathletic. I say, hey, we got to get really good in the half court before we're a pressing team. We may come back to that some. But right now we got a short where we're giving up way too many easy buckets. So that's what I did. We just changed. That was our defensive style. And I had to, we actually had to tone down some of our, I wanted to push the ball more on offense, but we, we didn't push it on makes, you know, on turnovers or long shots. We would push, try to get it, get a good shot. But yeah, we I had to change just last year, that style of play. Yeah, and it's interesting. I've done that before in preseasons where maybe we wanted to run and gun more and shoot quicker and whatever. And then before I know it, man, our shot selection is horrible because everyone feels like they've got the green light. And I know that we've got to take good shots to win. And been in that. we've all been in that situation. And it's a tough one because you've invested your preseason, maybe, you know, your, your, your summer or whatever to this style of play that you want to play. And that's where all your work has gone in. And then you're in this place where like, shoot, this is not going to be a chance for us to win. That's a hard place to be in. Or, or you you might design a system around your best player, which would make sense. And then your best player gets hurt. And it's like, oh, th- this system doesn't look as good. When I was rolling out, they were playing 34 out of 40 minutes or 30 out of 32. And I don't have like the system ain't as good without that player. Yeah, I, I mean, I think like Golden State, I think, has been hesitant to let go of Draymond because they think that he helps their style of play work, you know. And same thing you talk about Jokic, like w- what if he went down? I mean, he's so pivotal to the way that they run offense and it's the best chance for their team to be successful. But all the work you put in, I think you'd have to almost make a wholesale change there if he went down. Yeah, I know. and And that's what – that's where you really make your money as a coach, I think. Your ability to adapt and evolve not only season to season, but within a season. Because that's not easy. It, yeah. those, are the, those are very tough decisions because, like you said, there might have been four to five months of investment of getting gearing up and getting ready for this style. And then, oh, all right, got to change it. That That's that could bruise your ego or your pride or your stubbornness. And I know coaches aren't stubborn, but man, that happens. You know, and I think what we're talking about today, Sam, is what a lot of coaches sit around talking about, trying to figure out, you know, like what is my right style of play? It is not an easy decision. I do think this coaches have got to be resolute in their decision to problem solve no matter what style you play you're going to face problems and your ability to maneuver and you know it's all good till somebody gets punched you know quote like you know same thing in a season can you adapt can you make some certain changes to give your team a fighting chance and i think that that you're going to be faced with that no matter what style of play you play so be a problem solver coaches one thing i'd add tj that may be worth mentioning is like you have your style of play and you're throwing your fastballs, it's important to have the curveball in your back pocket, you know, and to keep the so meaning you might be a full court, a man like we are, like we're we're that team. And I think Graham and I were talking a couple of days ago, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but like we also have a one three one defense that we're ready to use when we run up against a really good team that's hitting our fastballs, they keep hitting doubles and triples on us. 
And I got to be ready to throw that at them in a, in a really important moment. So like even within your season or within your game, having a curveball or two in your back pocket that may not be your main thing, I think that's important in coaching. Yeah. Coaches, love to hear your thoughts. Hit us up at Hardwood underscore Hustle. Tell us what you think and, and uh, what's more important, like fitting your players or adapting a style and getting them to fit that style. Um, age, stage, how does that affect your decision? I think all of those are important things to think through. Hey, he is Sam. I am TJ. We are the Hardwood Hustle. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of the Hardwood Hustle, where we believe in the value of a coach. If you're interested in one of our coaching clinics, diving into one of our coaching tracks, or simply joining our PGC coaching community, go to pgccoaching.com to find the support you've been looking for in all aspects of your coaching. From the Hardwood Hustle team, thanks again. We can't wait to be with you again next week.